Well, good morning, church. Welcome. I want to uh, say a special hello to any guests or visitors this morning. If you're new, uh, thanks for joining us. I hope to be able to meet you personally. And hello to everybody watching through the screen, especially those at the well. Um, thank you for worshiping with us over there. I want to encourage you, if you haven't been to the well yet, um, give it a try. It's amazing. We got to preach from there last week live. Um, and I, I just love the intimacy of that venue. So check it out. I want to let you know that uh, occasionally we will preach live over there. Um, I'm thinking maybe once a month. We won't tell you when we will. It'll either be here or there. Um, it'll be a surprise. Uh, but if you don't ever see us preaching live here, it's because we're preaching live over there. All right. Um, but let's open up in a word of prayer and ask the Lord to uh, lead us into the word this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we just ask that you would uh, open up our hearts and our minds to the truths that you want to uh, just really plant deep inside of us, Lord, that you would just really help us to understand things um, according to your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us eyes. Again, Lord, that you would give us vision. In this vision series, help us to align with each other, but ultimately with you, God, that you would help us to see what you want us to see through the scriptures. So speak to us now, Lord. We, we invite your Holy Spirit uh, to minister to our hearts, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to start off by saying that Jesus is arrogant, bigoted, narrow-minded, and prideful, or he's none of those things at all. It's one or the other. And as his followers, we ought to be whatever he is like. We ought to pursue those things. You know, uh, I remember when Pastor Gary and I, we visited Japan many years back, and we were praying about how SBCC can be involved in spreading the gospel in Japan. Uh, Pastor Gary, if you're newer to the church, he, he was the one who started this church over 30 years ago. Uh, he was our senior pastor just up until recently when he stepped down in July. And I want to let you know that he is currently just resting on, on a break and he'll be back with us the first week of November. So if you haven't met him yet, hopefully you'll get a chance to do so very soon. But we were there in Japan and we had known that Japan is one of the largest unreached people groups in the world. Right, uh, over 120 million Japanese in Japan and less than 1% has received the gospel. And so it's considered an unreached people group. And I think it hit us when we were in Tokyo and we were crossing the Shibuya crossing. Now, I don't know if you've been to Japan and you might know about Shibuya. It is the busiest crosswalk in the world. At one point, you can find 3,000 people crossing this intersection at once. And I remember we were just crossing and we were in the middle of a sea of Japanese people and we made this observation, it really hit us, that Jesus could come and rapture the church at this very moment, at this very, like the Bible says, he'll come and, and take home all believing Christians and if he were to do so at that moment, nobody would flinch in that crosswalk. Like nobody would realize that, that Christ has just raptured the church because of the small percentage of people who even know who Jesus is. And that should deeply concern us. It should deeply, if we really believe what the Bible says and that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, 
No man comes to the Father but through him. It should deeply concern us that people in nations like Japan have still not heard of the good news of Jesus Christ. And that should trouble our hearts. That is not okay. Last week, we started this series called Chasing After the Win. Not the wind, but the wind, W-I-N. And we want to talk about pursuing the real victories and successes that God deems valuable, that really has eternal significance. And today, we want to talk about chasing the win in world missions. The chasing the win in world missions. Just to recap, if you missed last week's message, uh, first of all, we'd love to encourage you to go online to our website or to our YouTube channel and catch up and kind of see how we set the table for this whole series, but we did look at two particular wins that as a church we want to pursue, and I want to uh, revisit those. The first is we consider it a win when we can see ourselves reproducing and multiplying all that God has given us. What does that look like? Well, first and foremost, when we reproduce and multiply our faith, our, our salvation, How do we do that? By making other followers of Christ who will then take their faith and multiply other followers of Christ. That's disciples making disciples who will go and make disciples. We could also reproduce and multiply anything God's given us, like our ministries. Like as a pastor, I should be asking, how do I reproduce future pastors? If you're a life group leader, how can you reproduce other life group leaders As a church, we should be thinking about how do we multiply the church in other areas beyond Torrance, California. And so we ought to be reproducing and multiplying what God has given us. And when we do, that's a win. For what purpose? Why should we reproduce and multiply? Well, ultimately to help people find and follow Jesus Christ. To help people find and follow Jesus Christ. And we... we, got these wins, these definitions of a win by looking at Matthew chapter 28, right? So let's, let's go back. If you have your Bibles or your app, turn with me to Matthew 28, and this is the great commission, the, the instruction that Christ left for his disciples before he ascended back into heaven, and it's such an important thing for the church to know what he has left us to do, and it says in verse 19 and 20, Jesus says to his disciples, go therefore and make disciples, circle those two words, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you to the end of the age. So I highlighted them for you. We talked about two participles last week. A participle basically describes how we are to go about doing the main verb, which is make disciples of all nations. So we do that by baptizing, and we do that by teaching. Those are two ways we can go and make disciples. Well, what I didn't tell you last week is that there's actually three participles in the Great Commission. Besides baptizing and teaching, there's actually one more, and that's the word go in verse 19. That's the word go. And so three participles, three ways we can go and make disciples, three ways we can reproduce and multiply followers of Christ, and that's by going, baptizing, and teaching. And so the command, go, is the command to move, take action. 
It requires us to, to move in order to chase and pursue the real wins in this world. And in a few moments, I'm going to have Pastor Dave come out, and he's, he's our global missions pastor. He's been overseeing our global missions, and he's going to share with you some of the ways we're involved with world missions and some of the missionaries we're currently supporting. And they're going to share with you some of the wins that we are seeing happening in their regions of the world. So that will happen in just a moment. But let me set that up and share just a few reasons why it's so important that we, that we move and pursue the nations. I was once with a uh, group of college students, and uh, they asked a really good question, a really good question that I think a lot of seekers and skeptics ask, and maybe you've asked this question too. They said this. They said, how can Christians say that Jesus is the only way to heaven? How can you say that Jesus is the only way? What if someone never gets a chance to ever hear about Jesus? Have you ever thought about that? What about that person in that distant African tribe or someone who lives deep in the Amazon jungle or someone who lives on that remote island and they've never heard the gospel? How can you say that Jesus is the only way to heaven and that they should perish if they never hear about Jesus? To some people, it sounds very arrogant, very narrow-minded, very prideful for Christians to say that we have the way to heaven. Our Jesus is the only way. Now, if it were up to me, personally speaking, I'm speaking for myself, I, I would love to find that one day when I get to heaven, that there's actually all kinds of people who are there who didn't get a chance to hear about Jesus. Out of God's fairness, he let them, it would be cool to see the, the, the people in that African tribe who never heard about the gospel or those people in that Amazonian jungle or that person on a distant island, they never got to hear about Jesus. And out of God's fairness, he said, come on into heaven. I would love to know that my Buddhist aunt or my Muslim neighbor or my atheist friend who I know I have not yet shared the gospel with them, maybe nobody's ever shared it with them, and out of God's fairness, he lets them into heaven. I'll be honest, I would not protest. I would not complain. I would not be shaking my fist at God and say, why did you let them in? I'd be like, God, that, that's grace. That's your amazing grace that you should receive them into heaven. If God chooses to surprise us, surprise us in that way and reveal to us one day when we get there that he's let all sorts of people into heaven apart from Jesus based on his fairness or at least what we understand fair, that'd be awesome. But here's the problem. We cannot live and operate based on what we'd like or what we'd prefer. We can't live by what we think God might do or what we think he should do. We have to live by what we know what God has said. And we have to base our lives and everything we do as a church based on what his word has plainly taught us. And so we ask, what has he said? Well, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. We know that in Romans chapter 10, verse 13 and 15, we'll put it up for you, that it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
you call on the name of Jesus, you will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? That makes sense. And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? That makes sense too. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? In other words, unless they go, unless they move, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. As far as we know, what God has taught us, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And all those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. The Bible also makes clear that those who do not call on the name of Jesus will perish. If people could be saved apart from knowing Jesus, then, then why should we preach Jesus at all? If they could be saved based on our understanding of fairness and, and God would let people in even if they've never heard about Jesus, then what should we do? We should turn a blind eye and not care about the nations knowing about Jesus. Let's not go and let's not move and let's stay put. Let's keep the gospel to ourselves. Let's not give them any option to even reject Jesus. Let's not give them that possibility. Let's keep this to ourselves. And if that were the case, I'm telling you, church, it would be a lot easier for us. It would be a lot more convenient, a lot more comfortable, and a lot cheaper for us not to have to go. But if that were the case, Jesus would not have instructed the followers of Christ in Matthew 28 to go, move. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And some of us might think, man, if God so loved the world, if God so loved the world, then why did God make the gospel so accessible to Americans here in the United States like us, and yet not so accessible to people in unreached nations like the Muslims in Bangladesh or some Hindu sects in India. Or you might think on a personal level, why did God choose me and give me the gospel and not my unbelieving coworker? Well, what if God didn't choose to give the gospel to us here in America instead of the unreached people group in Bangladesh? What if he gave us the gospel so that we would now bring the gospel to the unreached people in those nations? What if God did not choose you instead of your coworker? What if he gave you the gospel so that you would now bring the gospel to your coworker? I'm wondering if Jesus has blessed us with the gospel, but now he wants us to go and give them access to the gospel. Perhaps that's why Jesus says, therefore, go. For God so loved the world. Friends, it, it might seem really arrogant and bigoted and narrow-minded and prideful and selfish for for us to go to a nation like Japan with over 120 million Japanese and stand amongst the sea of people and tell them, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man can enter into heaven apart from him. It might seem really foolish to send our money and resources each month to the Philippines to help support a church plant so that the gospel can go forth from that community and beyond. 
It might seem like a waste of time for, for people to spend their lives rigorously trying to translate the Bible and reproduce it in another language where the Bible does not yet exist and tell them that you need this in order to live. It's so wrong. It's so arrogant and so prideful and so foolish to tell people and insist that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Unless it's true. And if it's true, then in actuality, it's the most humble and selfless and loving thing that we can possibly do. And if it's true, it is selfless to give up our time and our plans and our resources, our PTO, our vacation, our comfort, our convenience, so that we can tell millions of people in lands where they most likely are not going to hear about the gospel, we go and tell them about the amazing grace of Jesus Christ, that he so loves them. And if this is true, church, you believe this is true? Yes. Amen. And if this is true, then the most arrogant and selfish and narrow-minded thing we can do is to stay home and spend our resources and our time and our money on ourselves when the world outside these walls is perishing apart from Christ. And so that's why we get up and we move. That's why we go. That's why, church, we chase after the wind in this world that we might see ourselves reproduce and multiply what God has blessed us with and share it with other people that they might too find and follow Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I want to invite Pastor Dave out, and he's going to help share with us practical ways in which we can go and help people know Jesus. Thanks, Pastor Craig. Appreciate it. You know, as Pastor Greg was sharing, you know, something that I kept thinking about uh, was kind of this quote that he had. He said, so that's why we get up and we move. That's why we get up and move. That's why we chase the wind in the world. And this idea, the importance of movement, it's kind of been on my mind recently, probably because of just some uh, personal fun things I've been doing. Uh, I want to introduce you guys to my wife, Sarah, and my two-year-old son, Carter. And uh, we went on our very first road trip together. I look pretty good in that picture, so I'm, I like that one. to go going... We went on our very first road trip together last week. We, we drove up to Santa Barbara for a few days. And uh, because, you know, this was his first road trip, we weren't sure how Carter was going to do. So we wanted to get there as fast as possible, you know. So uh, he did great. We didn't have to stop at all on the two-and-a-half-hour drive. I was so proud of him. But as I drove, it was crystal clear to me how reliant I was on my phone and on my Apple Maps app to get me there as quick as possible. For many of you guys, maybe it's the navigation system in your car. And, you know, the reality is long gone are the days of, of printing up directions. You know, we used to have to do that. Or using Thomas guides. I don't even know if you guys know what that is. Like, who's Thomas and where is he guiding us to? You guys don't know what that is. But all you need is a navigation app and uh, on your phone or wherever. And you can get anywhere you want to go as efficiently as possible. And something all of these navigation devices use is GPS. And that stands for Global Positioning System. It consists of uh, 31 satellites, which are maintained and owned by the U.S. Air Force, and they can be used by anybody that has a GPS receiver. And these satellites let us know where we are and where we're going anywhere on Earth. It's pretty amazing. And what these satellites do is they orbit the Earth twice a day, and they're constantly moving, constantly moving. 
And they never stop so that they can better transmit uh, the information we need to get to where we want to go. And I think, you know, in the same way, thinking about movement, thinking about things that are constantly moving, I believe Christ, he's requiring movement from us, from us, the church, as we chase after the win of helping people find and follow Jesus Christ all over the world, living out the great commission that we see in Matthew 28. He's asking for our hearts to move. He wants our hearts to move in sync with his, to truly love these people, regardless of what country they're in, regardless of borders or location or cultural differences. He wants us to love them. And the truth is for us to be able to do that, it might require us to move out of our comfort zones, uh, to pray, to support, to help make disciples. And it also might require us to move geographically. We might have to move out of wherever we are, wherever we call home. And he might, for short-term or long-term, call us to go into these countries like Japan, like the Philippines, like Uganda, like Mexico, and so, so many more. And so I think today what I really wanted to focus on was practically speaking, you know, how do we as individuals and how do we as South Bay Community Church, how do we live that out? What does that actually look like? And I think that's a great question. And we've been talking a lot about movement. And so the three words I came, with, came up with that we're going to dive into today is to go, to pray, and to support, or to easily remember GPS. That was intentional. That was good, huh? Not bad. Thanks, guys. I know uh, it's very practical. We want to see God move through South Bay Community Church. We really want to be a part of what he's doing globally. So let's look at that first word of GPS, which is go. And we're going to go right back to the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19. We'll look at that first section and just read that out one more time. It says, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, word go, it just, it, it just gets right to the point, right? It's so clear. It's so full of action. And yet the reality is so few of us actually go to a place outside of where we call home to live this out, whether it be short-term or whether it be long-term. And according to a study by Barna, Barna does some uh, great work. They're a Christian polling firm. They came up with these statistics. And it said 9% of Americans uh, have ever, only 9% of Americans have ever been on a short-term mission or service trip anywhere. Only 9%. So basically 9 out of 10 people have never been on any type of service trip or mission trip to go care for other people. And you would think within the church that those numbers would bump up drastically, right? But the truth is it isn't. For those that consider themselves churchgoers, that number doesn't get much better. It's only 11% of them have gone. So we read this verse, and the command is so clear, go, yet the reality is so many of us are not going. And I'll be honest, and, and I, I really want to speak to this, there's some legitimate reasons why that might be the case for you, for us. I think for some people, they have a lot of responsibilities here at home, a lot of things that they can't give out to anybody else. They're taking care of their family, and they can't be gone for a long period of time. For some people, they work, and they can't get that time off, and they can't take that type of financial hit not getting paid because finances are too tight. I think for others, just health reasons are a concern. Just it's not realistic to think that you're going to be able to travel overseas and do whatever is being asked of you to do that. And all of these reasons and so much more, they're real. And God knows them and he honors them because he knows our heart. But I would say there are many of us, myself included, where the truth is we could go. And for whatever reason, we choose not to. And I would just ask, church, instead of automatically saying no or disqualifying ourselves for various reasons, I would really ask this question, would you be willing to involve God in the process of making this decision to go? And I know that's a, that's a scary proposition because you may not like the answer that you receive. It may be, not be where you, what you actually want to do. And I know this because for years I struggled 
with the opportunity to go on these short-term mission trips. Yeah, today I'm 47, uh, but when I was in my mid-20s to early 30s, uh, I was presented with many, many opportunities to go on short-term trips. And uh, the reality was I was a Christian. I was serving here at South Bay Community Church. I was really active in my faith. I was single. I didn't have children. I was without any major responsibilities. So I was in the perfect life stage to go. I had no reason not to. Yet if I'm honest with you guys and honest with myself, the reality was I just didn't want to go. I didn't want to do it. Because whenever I thought about it, I thought of being uncomfortable. I thought about being thousands of miles from home, being in a foreign land, not knowing anyone, not knowing how to speak the language, fearful for what I might encounter. All of that fear led up to anxiety and just all these reasons I would create for myself. And whenever those opportunities would come up to go, I would sidestep them. I'd come up with, with, with legit reasons not to go, but in my heart, I just wasn't open to it. And it wasn't until I truly looked at my heart attitude. I, my God, I don't know if this is where you want me to be. And I prayed about it regularly. I prayed about it regularly that God began to chip away at those reasons. He began to chip away at those fears, those insecurities. And this process wasn't quick. It wasn't a matter of days or weeks. This was a matter of many, many months of God working with me in this and breaking down all these reasons that I had put in place. And it wasn't until I was 35 years old that I went to Japan in October of 2011 to serve as part of our uh, South Bay Community Church Tsunami Relief Team. I went out there, and I got to tell you, I know you hear this a lot with mission opportunities, but I can definitely say it was true for me. This trip changed my life, and it gave me a whole new perspective on how much God loves the world, how different that love might look in different environments, especially coming off of a tsunami and seeing so many people who are suffering, who are doing without, but how much God loved them and met them exactly where they were at. And I got to experience that deep love because I was there. I got to see it firsthand. There's nothing like experiencing it firsthand that just makes a mark on your heart. And that would have never happened. I would have never taken that step if I wouldn't have invited God into the process of determining, should I go? Should I stay or should I go? He changed my heart. For all of you, I would ask that the next time God puts before you an opportunity to go, instead of automatically saying no, instead of automatically closing the door, that you would take some time to bring this opportunity before him. And I think even more importantly, take some time to bring your heart before him and really ask, do you want this for me, God? Because I'm willing to do whatever it is you want. And I think this could be what like chasing the wind looks like for us individually. But if this becomes the posture of our church, if this is how we approach these type of opportunities, this is the posture of our church, I believe this is gonna translate into wins. That's because as we pray over it, I believe God will give us a heart for the world. He will help us to see what his heart looks like and blend that together. And if our heart opens up for the world, I believe we in turn will say yes to those opportunities. We will actually start to go out and live that out. Now, the reality is, you know, we won't be able to be everywhere, right? We can't go everywhere. I think there's a need for the gospel and we won't have a presence in every country, but we all we have to do is come alongside the missionaries that God is already using to reproduce and multiply Christ followers in other countries. And I, I want to share, you know, just something that, I, that we saw in Matthew 28. Sometimes we, we forget, because I know I forget, is that as Jesus shared the Great Commission with his 11 disciples, I don't think it was ever his intent that all 11 would just go, would drop what they were doing and go to other countries and share the gospel. His intent was that some of them would stay there. 
They would stay wherever they were locally, and they would invest and disciple the people that were there. And those people might be the people that God used to go spread the gospel into the nations. But they were all linked together. They were part of the chain. And as they did that, you know, his, his intent may not have been for the 11 disciples to all go, but his intent was for all of the disciples to pray and support in any way those that did go out. This was, as those disciples, this wasn't just their thing, and once they left, they were on their own. They were there to pray, they were there to support and be a part of that mission that was happening. And the ways that they did that, and these will be uh, letters P and S and the GPS, they did that through P for prayer and S through support. And I think these two really just go hand in hand so well. Prayer is such a key part of what God is doing globally, whether it be praying for the missionaries as they go or, or praying for the area that they're ministering to, praying for those people, because prayer matters. Someone. I think who knew this well, and you would see it in scripture time and time again, was Paul. Whenever Paul would go somewhere and he would be ready to journey out to share the gospel, he would rally those that he called brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for him. He would ask for them to do that before he departed. And we see this specifically in Romans 15.30. You know, at this time, Paul, he's getting ready to head out to Rome and share the gospel there. And this is what he asked from his fellow Christ followers. Romans 15.30. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. You know, after this verse, he, he gets very specific. He asks for prayer from the church, for things like just protection. He asks for God's will to be done. But what I really appreciated about what Paul is saying here, he's writing this in the language of a coworker. He's, he's telling these people, why don't you guys strive together with me? We're in this together. Be my teammate. Be my comrade in arm. Be my co-laborer. And he wanted the church in Rome to think of his work as their work. We're all in this together. This is all something that we're doing. And as he struggled to kind of achieve his objective of sharing the gospel, he wanted them to join that struggle. Like, come and be a part of it with me. And the way they would do that was praying on his behalf. They couldn't be there physically with him, but they could still do something of worth, something that was so important. They could pray for him and pray for the people he was ministering to. And Paul knew, I think Paul knew a truth. He knew that if the church could pray for me on a regular basis and pray for the people I'm going to minister to, that it would connect our hearts together. That no matter the distance, if I'm here and they're 5,000 miles away, we're still connected. Our hearts are still connected and we're still like-minded and working towards the same goal. He knew that. That distance didn't matter. And what Paul was asking for from his brothers and sisters in Rome reminds me uh, just of a, of a great quote I came across on the power of prayer and missions. It's, it's actually by a, a British philosopher and historian. I don't read a lot of British philosophers and historians, but I happen to find this one. And his name is uh, Stephen uh, Gawkroger. And he put it really well, and he says this. Prayer, it needs no passport, visa, or work permit. There's no such thing as a closed country as far as prayer is concerned. Much of the history of missions can be written in terms of God moving in response to persistent prayer. I love that because I think what that tells me is that prayer is crucial. It's crucial in the support and that prayer is crucial in the growth of missions. We have to be doing that. And, you know, as we look at ourselves at South Bay Community Church, how do we do that? How do we make it easier for you guys to do that? If you wanted to pray for our missionaries that we support, well, one thing we're working towards is on our website, if you go under the ministry tab and go under global missions, we're hoping to have it up very soon, but just to have our missions, our missionaries listed there and to have specific prayer requests that they might need prayer for, that anytime you guys wanted to take a look at it, you could. 
that you would know these missionaries, you would know the areas that they're serving and you would know what their specific prayer requests are. And we would update those regularly as we get updates from our missionaries. And we would encourage you guys just to commit. Maybe there's a certain area of the world that, that really speaks to you. You're like, you know what, I wanna pray for the Philippines and I'm gonna make that, make that something I do on a regular basis. Maybe it's daily, maybe it's weekly, maybe it's monthly, but on some type of regular basis, you're gonna pray for this missionary, you're gonna pray for this area of the world and we're hoping to have all that accessible to you. But I think that's what it means to be able to co-labor together, to be able to journey together that we are doing our part here uh, by praying for what God's doing all over the world. And while prayer, I think it's such a crucial way to support, there, there's another way that we could do it that's very tangible, and that's financially. We can help support financially. And we actually have an opportunity to do that today, guys. Right after service, you might have saw it when you walked in, into the lobby. Uh, one of our ministries that has continued to grow over the last few years is our Baja Build and our Baja Ed Ministry, which serves the area of Madeadero and Baja. And Pastor Dan, he's so faithfully helped to build this ministry alongside people like Willie Basilio and uh, Dan Park and Shel Shioham. I know James and Ali Chu have played such a big part. So many others have helped uh, that ministry to really grow and thrive over the last few years. And what they've done is they've built some much-needed homes for three different families, and they're about to add a fourth family to that list as a team of 16 people from our church heads out in two weeks to build a home for the Diaz family. And we get to support that today in a pretty simple but a pretty delicious way. And uh, right after service, they're going to be selling the Desert of My People churros. It's awesome. I'm excited. I'm excited for them to do that. And a little later, you're going to smell it. You're going to smell those churros cooking. It's going to waft into the lobby. Maybe you've smelt it already. And it's going to smell like home. It smells amazing. Or it smells like Disneyland, one or the other. But it's going to smell good. And what you guys do, when you guys go out and you guys support by buying these, you know, you're, uh, you're not just buying a trip, but you're also going to receive a prayer card. And it's going to have all the families that we previously have built homes for, including the one that's going to come up, the DS family, just encouraging you guys to pray for them. They're hoping to raise about $8,500, which covers all of the home building materials and costs. And I don't know, man, that's pretty cheap by today's standards that they could build any type of home for anybody for that cheap. And the thing I was thinking about, I know I've been a part of these fundraisers before. I've bought food items out there, and I'm always happy to support. I love doing that. Uh, but I think a lot of times what I think about is the people they're serving, I don't really know them. You know, I don't, maybe I hear the name and service, and it's kind of in one ear and out the other. But I wanted to share with you a little bit about the Diaz family, because I think it would really drive home the importance of what we're doing when we're out there in the lobby today. And this Diaz family, they're a blended family. And uh, Valentin, he's the biological father of two of the children. And when his children were four months old and two years old, uh, the uh, child's mother abandoned them. And Valentin, he didn't have a job at the time. He didn't know how to take care of these kids. He didn't know what he was going to do. And so he did the only thing that he thought he could do to make sure the kids were taken care of, okay, and that was to, to put them in an orphanage at that point. Now, a little later, he met Maria, and she had three children of her own that she was taking care of. That's because the father of those children had severe drug issues, and so he wasn't in the picture anymore. And the two connected. The two got together. And I think what Valentin felt at that point was, I have a partner now. I have somebody who can help me. So he was able to pull his two kids out of the orphanage, and they were able to blend their families together. And they're living happily right now. But this family, you know, they're in desperate need of a home for these five children. And when you go out there and you do something as simple as buying a churro, you're getting them one step closer to that. But I think you're doing something so much more. And that's the hope is, is that as our team goes out, this group of strangers, really, the Diaz family has no connection to them. They might look at these 15, 16 people like, who are these people that are driving all the way out here, putting their money out to, to build this home for us? 
But what we hope you guys would do is you would pray for our team that through this act of love, if they would tangibly see God, that they would tangibly question that maybe there is somebody out there that loves us and that cares for us and that's looking out for us, and that our team, through the action of building the home or through personal conversations, would have the opportunity to share the gospel and the truth of who Jesus is and help them find and follow Jesus Christ. That's what we're hoping to do through something as simple as buying a churro and through the act of prayer. And I think those are the types of wins that we want to invest in. And I hope you guys would go and support that after service is over today. You know, another way, and this is kind of the final way I think we can support, is by caring for our missionaries that are already living and serving overseas. And our missionaries are serving in some incredible ways. You know, over the past month, we've been showing you these mission spotlight videos. Uh, maybe you remember some of the people that you saw in there. We wanted you guys to get to know some of the missionaries that, that you guys help support. People like Alicia Akeda who serves with her husband Andy for Wycliffe Bible Translators in Southeast Asia. Uh, Alisa, she helps develop new languages. She, it's amazing. She hears a language that's being spoken. She helps to develop it uh, for Native people. And then her husband, Andy, translates languages that have never had a Bible, translates their language into a Bible so that these people have access to know Jesus Christ. It's amazing what they do. Ian Nagata, you met him and his family. They're pastoring a growing church in Japan. And Ian, on the side, he develops new original Japanese worship music where there's so little of that available in Japan right now. You also met Roy and Jocelyn Velasquez, and, and they're starting a home church in Bahal, and it's just continuing to grow and grow and grow. Now it's a full-fledged church, and they actually call it South Bay Community Church Bahal. It's amazing. And they even welcomed our medical mission team a few weeks ago, uh, and they held medical clinics there to serve the people in the community. And today, we wanted you guys to hear what are the wins, what are the things they're experiencing, what are they, how are they seeing God moving. And instead of me describing it for you, we wanted you guys to hear it from them firsthand. So let's take a look at this video. And we know that on these spiritual front lines, we need the power of the Spirit. So we've been asking our supporters this past year to pray Ephesians 3.19 over our church, that we would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and be filled with all the fullness of God. So in three minutes, I'd like to share three ways that God has been answering this prayer in Ephesians 3. God used us to support these kids from the very poor families. We bring them to school every morning and they receive daily allowance. Some of these kids have alcoholic fathers and some are abandoned by their parents to their grandparents. We just don't want to help and encourage them, but we want them to grow in love and with the knowledge of God loves them. Last month, I woke up to a text from one of the youth in our church. It was an attachment, a five-page testimony, sharing how for the first time he felt God's love and the depth and meaning of Jesus' death and resurrection for him. Though he had known the gospel for many years in his head, the Holy Spirit opened his heart for the first time to repent and believe. We praise God for answer to prayer. God used our ministry to be a host for the medical mission team this year. In Bohol. We are so thankful and beyond grateful for all the people from SBCC who came to serve the people in our community. They were so blessed and we have reached out to the patients. Um, some have started coming to our church and some have um, requested for Bible study already. So we are so grateful. We thank you all SBCC. Thank you. For the past six years, we've gathered to worship each Sunday in a living room, not because we're a house church, but because we could fit 25 kids and adults. But this past Easter, as we invited new friends and neighbors, 
we realized that we'd outgrown our space. So we rented a party room in our condo. It was our largest gathering yet, with many hearing the gospel for the first time. Since then, we've continued to meet in these rooms, allowing us to invite more guests each week and to run a separate children's worship time simultaneously. We thank God for his timing and his provision so that more people can hear the gospel. Man, I love hearing those stories because that's the practical proof of how God is moving, right? Those are the wins. Those are the wins that really matter. Uh, that is the Great Commission being lived out. And church, whether you know it or not, you guys help to make that happen. You know, because whenever you guys give financially, those are the funds that we use to help out these missionaries, to help do whatever it is they're hoping to do. So you guys play a part in that. You know, I think we wanted to go even a step further than just kind of providing for them financially. And the reality is being a missionary, it's, it's a tough life. You know, many times you're living thousands of miles away from friends and family. You're very isolated. You're very lonely. Um, for some missionaries, they're serving in countries where the gospel is not welcome, where you can't tangibly live out your faith or be vocal about it for fear of whatever the government might do against you. And I think with all this in mind, we want to be taking our support a step further by building, and really what our heart is, is to build care communities around these missionaries that you saw in this video. A group of people to look after them, to care for them, to let them know they're not alone. People like the Nagatas, people like the Akedas, people like the Velazquezes. And what these community groups will look like is they'll do very simple things, but I think very meaningful things. Of course, we're going to pray. We're going to continue to pray for our missionaries. But we want to be able to check in with them on a regular basis, have direct communication with them, and just see how they're doing, see if there's any practical needs that, that we can have with them. And so that's one of the objectives that we hope to accomplish through that. Another one is we would love to do something as simple as putting together care packages and letters and send them out to these people. Because... I got to tell you, I mean, when you're so isolated and you're so far from home, any reminder that just lets you know, hey, these people care for me, these people are intentionally thinking about me, and even sending me some of the things that I miss from home that I can't get here, it makes such a world of difference. It shows so much care and compassion. And I think for some of our missionaries, they return on a regular basis. They come back home, uh, maybe for a week, couple weeks at a time, but they'll come back every year, every couple years. And when they do, we want to be there to support them and to care for them and to welcome them back home. There's so much we can do. There's so much we will do. But church, we really need your help in this to come alongside them. And so if this is something that interests you, we're going to have a QR code up here on the screen. If you guys want to take your phones out now, uh, just point it right at that image there and just kind of capture it. It'll open you up to our website. That way you have it for later. You can check it out. Um, what you'll see on that list is, you know, a list of our different missionaries. And maybe there's a particular group or a particular area, and you're like, man, that's, that's where my heart's at. And I want to I support and be part of that care community for that missionary. You can sign up for someone specifically or just in general if you want to help. Just sign general. And we'll start putting those groups together ASAP. You can also access that on our website, southbaycommunitychurch.com. You know, I wanted to close out my time just by mentioning one last family that we support. And because of where they serve, um, because of the government's intolerance for the Christian faith, uh, we won't mention their names because we want to do what we, what we can do to protect them and the services being streamed online. And they actually recorded a video. They recorded a video for us that they wanted to show you just to thank you guys for your care and support and mention some prayer points. And we're going to show that video uh, right after we finish service today. Once the live streams down, we'll show it for everybody here who's live in the worship center and also in the faith center. So stay tuned for that. But there's situations like this. This couple, they have two little ones, ages three and ages two. And they have another one coming on the way early next year. And I think about even in the best circumstances, 
having three little ones like that in a foreign country, that, that's a tough go. That's a tough road. You know, they have to take uh, daily extra precautions in, in sharing and living out their faith because they don't want to garner the attention of the government and spies that are kind of put in place to pinpoint people who know Christianity, who live out Christianity because they're cracking down. They even know people in their own housing complex that have been arrested uh, due to being found out that they're practicing their faith of Christianity. And even after being there for some time, they're still learning the language. They haven't gotten it down pat yet. They're still learning the language. They're still getting accustomed to things that are so different from home. Differences in food, differences in culture, differences in transportation. And regularly, they feel spiritual oppression because they see all around them either just day-to-day activities or religious festivals, people worshiping false gods. And they can always feel that spiritual oppression coming against them. And I can't help but think, why would anyone willingly choose this type of difficult life? Why would you choose that? Because if I'm honest with myself, if I was presented with that same option to take my family, take my two-year-old, go into an environment like that, would I do it? I know I'm a pastor. I know I work from a church, but man, that would be a hard, hard sell. That would be a hard path to go down. And the only answer I have for this couple living in this manner is that they so deeply love, that they so deeply trust Jesus, that they're willing to go anywhere, anywhere to share that love with people that they've never met. They're willing to sacrifice their personal comfort and safety to live out the Great Commission, to give these people an opportunity to know this Jesus Christ that has transformed their lives, to help make disciples, and they'll give up anything to accomplish that. And the truth of the matter is not many of us are going to be, have that opportunity before us. Not many of us are going to be called to go overseas, to go in difficult environments and share the gospel. Not many of us will do that. But each and every one of us will have the opportunity to pray and support those that do. To come alongside them, to care for them, to pray for them, to support them, be willing to do whatever they do. Because their mission is our mission. And I believe if we can come alongside these missionary families so that they truly feel cared for by South Bay Community Church, I think this would be one of the biggest, one of the most important wins we could ever accomplish as a church globally. And I think those are the types of wins that are worth investing in. Let's close our time in a word of prayer. Father, the, uh, the call to share the gospel is not an easy one. It's not easy here in the South Bay and Torrance. It's, it's not, especially not easy overseas. There are so many people who don't know you, so many people who have never heard your name, who have never known your love and your care and your compassion, how you transform lives, how you meet us exactly where we're at. But Father, you tell us so clearly in the Great Commission that, that we are to care about that, that we are to go. And if we don't go, that, that we can pray, that we can support. But I think each of us has that responsibility to seek you in that, to invite you into that process, invite you into our hearts. And I know for so, so many years, Lord, my heart just didn't want to go there. I didn't want to think about that. I was serving here. I was doing my thing here. But Lord, I know you wanted to break that wall down. And if there's anybody that is struggling with that right now, it's just, if they're really honest with themselves, it's just not on their radar. I pray, Father, that they would invite you into that, to kind of chip away at that insecurity, to chip away at whatever it is that's causing that, that divide, Father, from caring for people in other countries and caring about them, knowing the word of God.
Father, use South Bay Community Church as a powerful tool, not just with our missionaries that we see that are out there right now, but that you would open up new avenues for us to share who you are. We love you, Father, and we praise you. We pray all these things in your precious name. Amen.